So there was a young farmer that was working out in the field that day, and he was a new believer, a new Christian, and he wondered if farming was supposed to be what he was, what he was supposed to do for the rest of his life. And so as he's out there thinking about it and praying about it, all of a sudden the clouds are moving around and he notices up in the sky that the clouds spell out the letters P and C. And so he was certain that this was God telling him to preach Christ. P and C, preach Christ. So he put away his farm equipment, he got out his Sunday suit and he started preaching around the community. Well, of course, his friends were kind of taken back by this, and they said, Zeb, what in the world are you doing? And he said, well, God showed me I'm supposed to preach Christ. So for the next several months, I mean, he preached anywhere and everywhere he possibly could, but without much success, which left him incredibly confused. His income had dried up. His family was hungry. So after eight months, he kind of gave up, and Zeb went back to farming. And again, a couple of his friends came up and said, Zeb, what are you doing? I thought God gave you a vision that you're supposed to preach Christ. He answered and he said, well now, I'm really wondering if PC simply meant plant corn. <laughs> so I'm back to farming. Listen guys, I hope that you can see that this was not the best way to find God's will in his life. It would not be the best way for you or me to find God's will in our life. It's almost like, I guess you could say it's almost like flipping a coin. Now, I'm certainly not saying that uh, God can't speak through a coin toss. I'm not saying that, but I wouldn't recommend it. The flip of a coin might work for the NFL, but if I'm making a life decision, I want more direction than heads or tails. So then, how do you determine God's direction for your life? How do you know what God's will really is? The high school graduate has to decide which college they're gonna attend. The college student contemplates which career, which career path they're gonna follow. The young couple must decide if they really wanna spend the rest of their lives together. The businessman or woman has to consider if they should uproot their family for this job promotion or stay where they're at. I mean, how do I even know if God really does have a plan for my life? Maybe, maybe things just happen by chance or by luck. You know, as a, as a pastor, I, I often have people ask me, they'll say, Steve, how do I know that I'm doing what God wants me to do? How do I know that I'm really in the will of God? Well, in scripture, Jesus specifically taught the disciples to pray for God's will. So we know that when you're asking whether you're in the will of God or not, when you're seeking to find God's will, you're certainly acting in accordance to God's plan for your life because Jesus specifically taught the disciples to pray and ask for his will. He also taught us that spiritual growth takes place when I do the will of God. My spiritual growth takes place when I do the will of God. For instance, in John chapter four, verse 34, it says, then Jesus explained, he's talking to his disciples, he explained, my nourishment, or some translations say my spiritual food, my nourishment or spiritual growth comes from doing the will of God. So there you go. Your spiritual growth is gonna take place when you obey God, when you do what he's called you to do. So he says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. 
Listen, guys, some aspects of God's will are clearly spelled out in Scripture. For instance, look at this in 1 Thessalonians. It says, it is God's will, and that's what we're looking for, right? It is God's will that you should be sanctified, or in other words, set apart, that you should avoid sexual immorality. So here's the thing, guys. If you're wanting to know the will of God, you don't even have to pray about whether you should be involved in sexual immorality or not. Because he's clearly spelling it out that you are not in the will of God in sexual immorality. It's God's will that you give, well, you skip back on me. It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Look at the next one, 518. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So you also know it's the will of God that you have a heart of gratitude, that you have a thankful heart. In 1 Peter chapter two, it says, for it is God's will that by doing good, all right, it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So we also know that it's God's will that we do good. So the point that I'm saying is there is a lot in scripture that is clear. There's a lot of things that the word of God spells out to us, so we don't need to pray about whether it's God's will or not. He already tells us that it is. And yet there are other areas, there are other areas in our life that are not as easy to figure out, such as knowing the right time to buy a new house or, or whether you should go back to school or not. Those are the types of things, well, they're just not as clear in scripture. Listen, friends, when we're facing a major decision, please hear me, when we're facing a, facing a major decision, I'm sure we would all much rather have God spell it out in a cloud, wouldn't we? We would much rather have God speak to us audibly. But guys, he rarely makes his will for your life that obvious. But why? Why not? Why doesn't he spell it out in the clouds? Why doesn't he speak to us audibly? Because he wants us to trust him. It's all about faith. He wants us to trust him. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. And he also wants you to be persistent in seeking after him. It, you know, if, if everything were just spelled out for us, we would become very apathetic and very indifferent about spiritual things because there it is. It's all written out. We hear what he, or he talks to us audibly and we hear what it is. God wants us to trust him. God wants us to be persistent in seeking after him and focusing on him. So today, today we're gonna talk about knowing the will of God. And yet, guys, please, I'm not trying to tell you that I have this thing completely figured out because I don't. And I don't believe that anybody really does. I believe the more we study, the clearer it becomes. But I'm learning all the time just as you're learning all the time. But there are a few things that I do know. And so today, I wanna to give you three realities of knowing the will of God. Three realities of knowing the will of God. Number one, realities of knowing the will of God. Number one, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. I believe that, guys, I don't know how to drive this point home any harder. I believe that with every fiber of my being. I believe the scripture makes it clear that before you were ever born, he knew you in your mother's womb. He had a purpose and a plan for your life. I believe that God has a plan for your life. You can go to the bank on that. You see, the first, but first I think we have the first thing that I think we have to understand is that we have God's general will. For instance, we know it's God's will for us to be holy, to be sanctified. We just saw that in scripture. 
So that's God's general will. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to wonder about it. The scripture's always already spelled it out. We know that we're to be set apart from the things of this world. That's what the scripture just said. We know that we're to, be, to have a heart of gratitude, to be grateful and loving. We're to avoid sexual immorality. We know that we're to do good. Those things are true for every single believer. If you're a Christian, you have an obligation, a responsibility to live that out in your life. Friends, we may not always understand what God's doing. We may not always understand what he's doing in our life, but we know that he's directing our steps. In Psalms 119, it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So it's pretty clear. If you're searching for the will of God, you need to get in the word of God. Did you get that? If you're searching for the will of God, then you absolutely need to get in to the word of God. I heard someone once say that the Bible is more like a flashlight than it is a spotlight. In other words, it's to help you see just a few steps in front of you or to help us find our path. I mean, think about it. If every step of your life, if every step of your life were printed out in detail, would it take faith? No. It wouldn't take any faith if you knew exactly what you were supposed to do. And yet, as we said a minute ago in Hebrews chapter 11, it says without faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say it's hard or difficult. It says it's impossible. God wants us to daily walk with him and to trust him to guide our decisions. In Proverbs chapter 20, it says the Lord directs our steps. Now, now talk, we're talking about the will of God. And if you wonder, does God really have a plan for my life? There it is. The Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? Well, you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. It does, because he wants you to live your life by faith, trusting in him. I also think, guys, it's important for us to understand that every single detail is not predetermined. One of the greatest blessings that God has given us is free will. We've talked about that many times before. One of the greatest blessings of life is that God has given us free will, the freedom to choose. We're not robots. We're not a puppet on a string. And if we're walking in the spirit and focused on him, well, God's gonna direct our steps. He's going to guide us. But we have to make a decision that that's what we're gonna do. Let's say that I wanna retire in Florida. Sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? Let's say I wanna retire in Florida. So I check out several places and I decide on one specific community that I wanna live in. You see, I just believe that if I've prayed about it and I've asked God to guide my steps, in other words, I'm praying like, God, I, I really wanna retire where you want me to retire. I wanna be in the community you want me to be in. I believe that God, the scripture says that God gives us the desires of our heart. What does that mean? Does it mean that if I want a Cadillac, I get a Cadillac? No, that's not what that scripture means. It means God gives us the desires of our heart. He begins to place on us the things that he wants us to do. So all of a sudden, I have a desire to live in a specific community that may just be God placing that desire in my life. And so I also think that if I'm faithful to him, you know, you say, well, what if you miss it, Steve? What if you go to another community and, and that wasn't where God wanted you to go? I, I believe that God is omniscient and knows all things. He knew that I would choose another community. He still has a purpose and a plan for my life, and I believe that he's still gonna use me regardless where I land. Now, let's say that I'm, I'm about ready to go to Florida, and I change my mind and say, no, I think I'm gonna go to Arizona to retire. I believe he'll still use me in Arizona. 
Now God, again, is all knowing. So he already knows, he already knew what decision we we're gonna make. We're not puppets on a string. We freely make that choice, but he knows ahead of time what choice we're going to make. So guys, I'm just saying, don't get all stressed out over the details. Just pray and ask God to guide your steps. Just say, God, my heart's desire is to be right in the center of your perfect will. I don't wanna be a half inch off. So God, just lead me. And I believe that God will begin to lay his desires on your heart. But again, the goal is to stay focused on him. In Psalms 37, it says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. If you're a believer, you're a part of the godly. If you've accepted Christ in your life, you're a part of the godly. And the scripture says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Okay, so that, what I've been talking about, that is his general will. But there's also God's specific will. For instance, in my life, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I know that God called me into full-time pastoral ministry and I know, also know that he called me to write. I believe these two things are a part of his specific will for my life. And yet within the pastoral ministry, there's a lot of different roles, there's a lot of different options that I could have pursued. You know, I could have, I could have uh, uh, been a worship leader, I, I, I could have uh, ministered to, to uh, singles or whatever, I could have picked any role within a church and that would have been okay. But as I was going into the ministry and believing God had called me into the ministry, I began to think about my gifts and my talents that God has given me, and that's the reason that I pursued the senior pastor role, because I believed those were my gifts and my talents. I also believe that he called me to write. Now, I've shared with you before, I've I've been disobedient to that. I felt from the time I was 30 I was supposed to write, but I've always put it off. I've always made excuses why I didn't have time for it. But I believed then and I still believe today that God called me to do that. I know in my knower. Do you know something in your knower? You know it deep down within. You just know it's a God thing. And, and so therefore, I think I could have written on a number of different topics and still been right in the middle of God's will. And yet, guys, at the same time, if God has a specific place he wants me to pastor or he has a specific topic that he wants me to write about, don't you think he's able to plant that in my heart? For goodness sakes, I do. He's a big God. And he loves you and absolutely wants the best for you. Well, Psalms 37 says, we just read, when you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. Let me give you an example that maybe will help out of the Old Testament. Moses was busy obeying God's general will. He was obeying God's general will. He was living his life for God. But when it came to God's specific will, well, Moses resisted. You remember the story? The Israelites had been in slavery for over 400 years. And when the Lord told Moses to go speak to Pharaoh about letting his people go, what happened? Well, Moses came up with all kinds of excuses. God, I'm not a public speaker. You need to get someone else. Now guys, hear me on this. Have you ever been guilty of making excuses when God was trying to get you to act upon his specific will? You know, I think we're okay, Christians listen to me on this, I think we're okay living in God's general will. 
In other words, it's like, okay, I've invited Christ into my life. I attend church on a fairly regular basis. You know, I pray over my meals at night when we eat. Uh, we even serve in a particular ministry. But as soon as God gets too specific, oftentimes we just get very uncomfortable. We're afraid or sometimes just lazy. We don't want to be inconvenienced. You know, I, I live a pretty easygoing life. And I, I, can, I, can, I can just kind of go with the flow and try to be fairly good, read my Bible on occasion, and still live in God's general will. But if I'm gonna be obedient to God's specific will, then it often becomes more of a sacrifice. Does that make sense? When I start to live in God's specific will for my life, it oftentimes becomes more of a sacrifice. It oftentimes means I've gotta be, uh, maybe inconvenience myself just a little bit. And it can be a little intimidating. It can be a little scary or frightening. And yet at the same time, guys, please hear me say, it also is more rewarding. Because you know you're making a difference in a lot of people's lives. Henry Blackaby, in his book, Experiencing God, I've, I've told you this many times over the years, it's one of my favorite books. Henry Blackaby wrote on the title of Experiencing God, which is one of the best books I think I've ever written or I've ever read on um, knowing the will of God in your life. So if you haven't read it, I think we have it in Capstone, I'd highly recommend it. But he wrote, he said, you don't find the will of God, it's revealed. So oftentimes we spin our wheels trying to find the will of God but he's saying the will of God is revealed when you're just obeying him. When you're just living for God, staying focused on him, God will reveal his purpose and plan to your life. He said God always takes the initiative. I love Jeremiah chapter 29. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Okay. So the second area that I want to mention is that even though God has a plan for your life, number two, you have the choice to accept or reject his will. Not hard. You have the choice that you're either going to accept God's plan and say that I want to live it or reject it. I accepted God. I, I rejected both of God's specific plans in my life. I, I, I felt called of God when I was 18 to go into full-time ministry, but I wanted to be in business, and so I ran from it for 10 years until I finally stopped running and said, no, I want God's will in my life. At that point, I, I felt a call to write. I rejected that for 30 years. So I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I'm just saying that when you do reject the will of God in your life, then all of a sudden you miss God's blessings in your life as well. Many people wanna blame God for everything. A child dies, cancer strikes, a spouse leaves, loneliness, failure, infertility, on and on I could go. And yet the reality is that bad things happen to good people because we live in a fallen, sinful world. Jesus said in John chapter 10, the thief, Satan, he comes only to do what? To steal, kill, and destroy you. That's his goal for you. He says, but Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Guys, there's no two ways about it. Satan's out to destroy you. Jesus said he was the father of lies. So he'll drop a thought or lies into your head and try to, try to create bitterness, try to create temptations, try to create anger, whatever. 
Maybe he whispers in your head and said, you know what, God, this person that you love that just passed away, God took their life. He, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about your loss. Well, guys, that's just not true. God didn't cause this person to die. In fact, his heart is as broken over that loss as yours. As yours. Friends, listen to me. There is a difference between what God causes and what God allows. We live in a fallen world, so there's gonna be sickness. There's gonna be death. And yes, there will be some things that we're not gonna understand until we get to heaven. We can't always explain every circumstance or situation. But you know what? I trust him. I believe that he loves me and I believe that he has my back. So even though I can't always explain it, I trust him. And that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said, now I know in part. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully. Paul's saying, as I walk around this earth trying to live for God, it's like looking through one of those uh, glossed over glass. You just can't really clearly see through it. But one day when I stand in the presence of God, then I'm gonna have a clarity. Then I'm gonna have a full understanding so Paul's trying to explain that we would not have the total picture of what's happening in our life until we stand in his presence in heaven. Now I know, I know there are times we get angry and frustrated with our situation or with our circumstance. So we question or we wonder if God even loves us. We get ticked at him because he's not, he's not doing what we want him to do or responding the way we want him to respond. But friends, please, please hear me on this. God's love for you has already been settled. You know, if, if you're mad at God and trying to say, well, I know, you, oftentimes we get mad at God so we want to hurt him. And so we'll say, well, you don't love me. You don't care about me. But we do the same thing to people, don't we? When we're mad at them, we want to hurt them. And that's what we do to God. We're like, well, you don't love me. If you loved me, this wouldn't have taken place. God's love for you was settled on the cross, Period. In John 15, it says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So the challenge is how will I respond to this difficult situation? Am I gonna trust God or am I gonna do my own thing? Again, I knew at 18, I knew at 18 that I was called into full-time ministry, but I didn't wanna go into full-time ministry. And so I rejected the will of God. I ignored God. I came up with 101 different excuses. I even tried to bargain with God, which is a story all its own. That, that he would, if I would do certain things, if he just let me do my own thing. And of course, you know what? He did. See, that's the thing. You're not a puppet on a string. You're not a robot. If you reject God's will and you choose to do your own thing, God's gonna let you do it. But you're not gonna find yourself in the center of his perfect will, therefore you're not gonna receive the blessings that come with that. You're not gonna receive God's best in your life. And therefore, in my life, I wasn't gonna receive his best either. And I don't believe that I did during that time period. I just wasn't finding, I can tell you that in those 10 years where I was running from ministry, I was actually running from God. I just wasn't finding the fulfillment and satisfaction that God wanted me to experience. I wasn't experiencing the joy and peace that comes with being right in the center of his will. You see, guys, we often think, listen to me on this, we often think we know better than God. We think nobody knows me better than I know me. 
I, I know what's best for my life. Come on, give me a break. I know that this would be good for me. And so we're praying, God, this is what needs to happen. It's like we're explaining to God how it has to be. We want it done our way. And yet, even though, and then when God doesn't do it, we just determine we're still gonna do it because we know that's our best and so we reject God, do our own thing. And yet, we still expect God to bless it. We still expect God's favor to be on it. And when it's not, we're ticked. We're upset with God. We thought eventually God would get on board, that he'd get on board with all of our ideas, that he'd get on board with all of our plans. Listen to me, friends. Ignoring God's will, ignoring God's will might not cost you your salvation. It won't. But it'll keep you from experiencing his best and it'll keep you from experiencing contentment and satisfaction in life. I love the message Bible on this, Matthew 6.33, one of my favorite passages. The message translation is kind of a paraphrase. It kind of drags it out. It's more wordy, but I love it. It says, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never, ever seen, don't you think that he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. That's great. That's such a great translation of that particular verse. I have one final area that I wanna show you today about knowing God's will, and that's number three. You can discern God's will for your life. You can, listen, you can discern God's will for your life. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Why? Because they saw how effective Jesus was. I mean, when you think about all that Jesus did when he walked the earth, you would have thought the disciples would have asked, you know, teach us to forgive, teach us to preach like you do. What did they ask? They said, teach us to pray. Why? Because when Jesus prayed, things happened. When Jesus prayed, he was right in the heart of God's will for his life. And so he said, so the disciples said, teach us to pray. So in Matthew chapter six, he gave them kind of an outline or a model. I've talked about this with you before. It was kind of a, I think it's a model. The Lord's prayer is what we call it in Matthew chapter six. And some people memorize it and recite it and that's okay. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with that. But I believe it was intended to be more of an outline that we literally can, we, we can literally break it down into like five different parts in Matthew chapter six, verse nine, it says, the very, it starts out the Lord's prayer, says this then is how you should pray. They're asking him, how do we teach us, Lord? And he says, this is the way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what I want you to understand about that particular verse is it's really more of a declaration than it is a request. In other words, it really is you or I not trying to change the mind of God. Now think about this, guys. Prayer is not about changing the mind of God. Prayer is about changing my mind and your mind. It's about changing us. So that we, so that, not so that God lines up with us. It's so that we line up with God. So really, I believe that's more of a declaration. In other words, it's come thy kingdom. Be done thy will. 
In other words, I'm making a declaration that I want the kingdom of God established in my life. I'm making a declaration that I want God's purpose and plan, and plan for my life established in me. I'm not, I'm not accepting anything less. I want your will accomplished in my life, God. I, I don't want it to be any other way than your way. Determining God's will, listen, determining God's will is not a matter of following after a few steps. It's really more of a process, it's more of, an, it's more of a journey than it is an event. Oftentimes we think, well, to find God's will, it's like all of a sudden, bingo, there it is and it's all spelled out. That's really not what finding the will of God means. Finding the will of God is being so focused on him and following after him that he's literally guiding the steps of a righteous person or order to the Lord. And so it literally means that he's guiding your steps. It's a process. So let me give you six questions that I think will help you find God's will in your life. Number one, questions that help you find the will of God. Number one, is it consistent with biblical teaching? <clears throat> Guys, don't miss this one. Is it consistent with biblical teaching? God will never, hear me, God will never lead you to do anything contrary to his word. How many times have I talked to someone that's having an, an adulterous affair? And they will say, you know, Steve, you have to understand, I know God brought us together. I know this, this is a God thing, and I know that doesn't make sense, and, and I know what you're gonna say, but I'm just telling you, this is a very special relationship, and God brought us together. No, he didn't. I'm sorry, but he didn't. It's adultery and it's sin. God makes that clear in his word. And God, hear me, God will never contradict his word. And it's not like, oh, this is, this is my word for everybody else, but you know what, you're a special case. And so because you're such a special case, I've brought this person in your life to cheat on your spouse. It doesn't work that way. God will never contradict his words. Friends, that's why this is the first one listed. This is why this one's the most important question because if it's not consistent with the word of God, then there's no need to bother asking the other five questions. Think of it this way. We need to run, listen to this. We need to run the pursuits of our heart through the filter of his word. We need to run the pursuits of our heart through the filter of his word. The second question is, have I asked God to reveal it to me? You know, there was an instant, <clears throat> I love this story, there was an instance in the book of Acts where Peter is in prison. You might remember this. Peter is in prison and most likely is gonna be put to death. So, the, so all of his Christian friends, the rest of the disciples and all the, those that are following, following uh, the new church, the New Testament church at that time, they all gather together and they're praying for Peter that God would somehow supernaturally release Peter from prison. And so while they're praying, God does it. An angel comes and miraculously releases Peter from prison. You ought to read the story if you haven't. And now, get this, Peter then goes to the prayer meeting. And he goes to the prayer meeting where it's taking place, and he begins to knock on the door. And finally, one of the girls gets up from the prayer meeting and goes and opens up the peephole, and she looks out, and she's shocked at what she sees. It's Peter. She, she's so shocked, she doesn't open the door. She runs back into the prayer meeting and tells everyone else, Peter's at the door. Peter's out here. And the other Christians are saying, yeah, right. You're dreaming, girl. Peter is in prison. And then after they kind of blow her away or blow her off, then they go back in and start praying again. 
And Peter's still out there going. He's still knocking on the door. He keeps knocking. Finally, someone gets so frustrated and they get up and they go open the door and there stands Peter. Listen, we laugh at this because I laugh at it because it's similar to my own prayer life. It scares me sometimes. I pray for God to do something and I pray that consistently for a long period of time for God to do something and when he does, I'm the one that's most surprised by it. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. Well, then why was I praying? Number three, what do mature Christian friends think? What do mature Christian friends think? And so I think it's healthy that you're asking some Christian friends, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm trying to determine what I should do, whether God's leading me to do this. Could you give me some advice? Proverbs chapter 12 says, the way of fools, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Oftentimes as a pastor, as you might imagine, people come and ask me for advice or for counsel concerning God's will for their life. And hear me, I can tell them what God's general will is because the scripture spells it out. I have no issue with that. I have no problem telling you what God's general will is for your life. But I can't tell you what God's specific will is for you. And, when, and, and when, you get a, when you get a friend or a pastor or anyone telling you this is God's specific will for your life, run the other direction. Because nobody knows that but you. I can also tell them what scripture says that might be applicable to this situation. And maybe I can give you some things that I would encourage you to pray about. But I can't tell you God's specific will for your life. Some people ask for an opinion. But if they don't get the answer they're looking for, what do they do? They move right on to the next person. And they ask their opinion. If they're still not getting what they're looking for, they just keep going from one person to the next until they find somebody that agrees with them. We often look for the path of least resistance. It's like the person that's contemplating divorce oftentimes will go to other people who are unhappy in their marriage. Or they'll go to somebody that's just come through a divorce and ask their opinion, not wise. Proverbs chapter 15 says, plans fail for lack of counsel. Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Listen, godly friends can help you take an honest look at your situation. So don't hesitate asking a friend for godly counsel. Don't ever hesitate. Ask and just say, can, can you just give me your thoughts on this? Or maybe, can you pray about it? And then once you've prayed about it, just give me your thoughts on it as well. I just need to, I'm just trying to get a feel whether what God's trying to show me here. And number four, have the doors, have the doors opened or have they closed? This one seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? If God closes the door, then don't, for goodness sakes, don't try to force it open. Sometimes we don't like it, so we try to force open the door. On the flip side, don't miss a wide open door that might just be full of blessings just around the corner. Number five, does this decision make good sense? Again, that ought to be an obvious question. In other words, is it wise? Is it logical? Friends, being a Christian doesn't mean checking your brain at the door. Just use some common spiritual sense. In James chapter one, it says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He promises to give you the mind of Christ. He promises to give you wisdom, and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Number six, do I have peace about the decision? Do I have peace about this decision? That kind of peace is not usually, it doesn't usually come to us overnight, does it? 
That kind of peace is a process. It comes by slowing down and quietly listening to God. It comes by putting yourself in a place of total trust. It comes by putting yourself in a place that you say, you know what, I don't understand what's happening right here, but I trust him. I totally trust him. I know that he loves me and I know that he has my back. Guys, I know that stepping out and trusting God can be a bit scary at times for all of us. But when you know it's God, he'll give you a peace that passeth all human comprehension. In Colossians chapter three, it says, let the peace of Christ rule. I love this passage. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And just be thankful. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he knew what God's will was, and it was pretty horrifying. Think about it. Jesus knew exactly what awaited him, and it was pretty horrifying. He then went through a struggle. He went through great turmoil, trying to figure out whether this was God's plan, whether it was in stone or whether it could be changed. And so he began to pray, and he began to pray with such intensity that the capillaries along his scalp began to burst and he began to sweat great drops of blood. That's what the scripture says. And he prays to his father and he says, if there's any way that this cup can pass before me, can we do that? Is there any other way this can happen? But he said, I want your will to be done, not mine. And from that moment on, when he came out of that prayer meeting, it was a done deal. He spent time with God and he rested in the fact, I don't like what lies ahead of me. This is not gonna be pretty. This is gonna be horrific, but I trust him. I trust my heavenly father. And that's exactly where we need to be in our life. Even though he was about to go through incredible suffering, I believe that at that moment he began to experience a peace that's beyond our comprehension. He then concludes his time on the cross by saying what? It is finished. It is finished. I have fulfilled God's purpose in my life. I have fulfilled God's will in my life. Friends, there's a lot of painful circumstances that you're gonna go through in your life. I wish I could tell you otherwise, but I can't. The scripture makes it clear that we're gonna go through difficult times. There's gonna be a lot of landmines in your life. But what if someone were to say to you, I know exactly where every landmine is buried between here and the other side of that field. I know exactly where they are. And all you have to do is you just stay close to me. If somebody said that to me, I promise you that I'm gonna, I'm gonna step exactly where they stepped. I'm gonna stay right behind them and I'm gonna stay close to them and I'm gonna step exactly where they step. Or are you gonna say, I don't need your help. I'll do this on my own. I'm my own man, I'm my own woman. I don't need you. Well, that would be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? I would wanna stay as close as I could. I would wanna make sure that I was following every step because his instruction, his instructions is what would save my life. Well, friends, God does wanna lead you through the minefield. But it's important that you follow his instructions. It's important that you follow God's purpose and God's plan. You see, the question, listen to me, guys, the question is not so much what's God's will. The question is, are you daily focused on Jesus and are you walking in the Spirit? Because I am 100% confident, 
I am 100% confident that if you are daily focused on Christ and you are walking in the Spirit, you will see God's will fulfilled in your life. I will promise you, the Spirit of God will direct your steps. We just read it in Scripture. The Spirit of God will direct your steps into his plan and his purpose for your life. 